Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 895 of Locked on Raptors for Tuesday, March the 2nd. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. And you can find the show at Locked on Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And, of course, please make sure you're checking out the entirety of the Locked on Podcast Network. We've got no shortage of shows for you to check out. From the NBA channel to, uh, of course, our NHL, MLB, all that good stuff, NFL covering the offseason. There's no shortage of stuff, and it never stops. There's still daily shows coming out on all these networks right now. Uh, Also, heads up, we have a new draft podcast. Go listen to Locked on NBA Draft. It is a daily draft podcast with a handful of different contributing hosts. It's going to be a lot of fun, so go and subscribe to that show today if you are a draft person, which you might be considering the Raptors right now while in a playoff position are like a game away from being in the lottery because that's how the Eastern Conference works this year. Go listen to Locked On NBA Draft, the brand new daily draft show from Locked On. Okay, on today's show, it's just me going solo, taking your listener questions. Apologies, this one's coming a little bit late on your Tuesday. Uh, the schedule's been a little weird. I think we're all kind of thrown off by the Raptors not playing any freaking games. And because the Raptors are not playing any freaking games, and I hope they're not on Wednesday, frankly, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Uh, I do do a mailbag episode. Got a bunch of great questions in yesterday, about 10 awesome questions. Won't be able to get to all of them today, but I will address as many as possible here and dive on in. So thank you to those who sent them in. If you don't get to your question today, it does not mean I don't love you with all of my heart because I do. You're my favorite. Okay, let's dive on in. This question here comes from the host of our Locked On Blue Jackets podcast over on our uh, Locked On NHL network. Jay Forster asks, you have to swap one Raptor for one Toronto Maple Leaf. Who do you swap and why? I like this question. This question also is difficult because I am invested in the success of both of these teams. The Leafs have been very good. I don't want to see them lose a very good player here necessarily because that would suck. I want the Leafs to be good. I think my choice here, so I'm stuck between two. But number one, in terms of just like improving the Raptors overall... I'm just assuming the basketball skill translates into exactly what their on-court NBA skill would be uh, and vice versa. I'm going to swap William Nylander for Stanley Johnson. I think Stanley Johnson, very good, rugged defensive player. I feel like he could be an excellent third-pairing defenseman on an NHL team. And William Nylander uh, scores a bunch of goals and is cool as hell and uh, maybe doesn't play awesome defense, but who cares about that? He scores awesome goals all the time, and I feel like that injection of shot creation and offense into the Raptors' half-court setup would be quite welcome. Maybe he could run some bench lineups uh, instead of having to play those Fred plus four humps bench lineups. I shouldn't call them all humps, but as a mass, the lineup is kind of a hump lineup. Um, so yeah, we'll go Stanley Johnson for William Nylander. The other pick, I guess, is Pierre Engvall, just because he's like six foot seven on the Leafs, uh, and he would fit in nicely and be like the second tallest person on the team immediately. 
maybe that's your center help and uh still stanley johnson i'll swap out because i think he could be nice for the for the leafs good question jay thank you and if you're not a hockey fan i'm sorry uh let's go to this question here this one comes uh related to some news that came out last week at the end of the week for the raptors uh do you expect dante hall the raptors 10-day signing who they uh, just had run to get some run in the G League this this week? Uh, do you expect Dante Hall to join the Raptors from the nine to five soon? And if so, do you think he'll be a significant improvement for the front court? Look, um, look. Uh, sorry, this question comes from Mike Christie. If I didn't already say that, so thanks, Mike. I am look. You got to be realistic when it comes to ten day guys. Sometimes ten day guys turn into something more. Shout out Ray for Alston way back in the day. But the fact that I'm shouting out Ray for Alston suggests that it's not exactly. A thing that happens a lot where a 10-day guy becomes a meaningful part of a rotation. And for Dante Hall, I just, you know, maybe he gets some backup five minutes. He is sort of an energy dive man, you know, sort of small ball five, I suppose. But the way the Raptors are playing right now, their small ball fives are OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam, who rock. And Aaron Baines coming off the bench has been really nice. And you also have Chris Boucher, who can play some small ball five when Siakam's out or whatever it might be. So I don't really see a huge role for Dante Hall. That doesn't to say that he can't get some rotation run or get some uh, opportunities here and there, especially if the Raptors are going to be dealing with the COVID plague for the next couple of weeks, uh, which above all else, hopefully everyone's doing okay. And we'll, well, I guess we'll continue to monitor the situation. I don't really have much to offer. <laughs> I would like to be able to give news as to what's going on with the team, but I don't have any. And maybe that's where Dante Hall becomes a guy who can sneak in. Uh, I do think this is interesting in light of the news that came down today that the NBA is removing the 50-day limit on – there's a 50-game limit on two-way players this season and allowing them to be eligible for for the playoffs. If that didn't come down, I feel like it could have been pretty likely that you'd see Yuta Watanabe converted to a full-time NBA contract and then potentially – uh, maybe Dante Hall gets that second two-way along with Jalen Harris for the Raptors, but it might be a little bit more difficult because if you have that one open roster spot, if you're Toronto, it's currently occupied by Hall, but I'm sure you're probably going to want someone a little bit higher upside, a little bit more talented, a little bit more pedigree in that roster spot as opposed to Hall in the 10-day. But maybe he shows out. You know, I haven't watched the 905 much this week. Uh, it's been tough to keep tabs on all the different basketball games taking place and not taking place. But, uh, you know, maybe there's a spot for Hall as sort of a deep bench guy if he can get himself into that roster spot beyond just a 10-day, maybe even a second 10-day just to run it up to the deadline a little closer and the Raptors can kind of reevaluate then. Um, but no, I don't expect a ton from Dante Hall, but it's uh, it, it, he seems like a guy who our friend Blake Murphy likes, which to me means he's worth caring about because Blake is smart and has good opinions on guys like that. Uh, next question here. Let's wrap it up with... Um, this one comes from RapsFan1237, longtime listener of the podcast. Shout out. What, in your opinion, needs to happen for the Raptors to start the 2021-22 season in Toronto? And do you think this is a likely scenario? So let's put it out there to begin with. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a vaccine-distributing government official. But I would assume that the Raptors are going to be playing in 21-22 in Toronto. We're going to have seen pretty widespread vaccinations, which I guess I'm pretty optimistic about for an October season. Um, look, this is a tough question to ask a guy like me, a person who just bumped his wedding in August 2021 back a year because he's terrified that the Ontario 
vaccine rollout plan is too slow and doesn't want to deal with that. Um, so, you know, maybe I'm a little bit on the skeptical side that they're going to get it done quickly, but who knows? You know, there, there's surpluses. It sounds like the states have a pretty good plan to get all their vaccines out and at least produce them all for everybody in the country. Uh, Distribution is another question. And I guess that's the other thing, too, right, is you need the states to have uh, a really robust sort of vaccination rollout, too. You need the cross-border travel to be allowed. That's basically what it all comes down to. All the vaccinations will eventually lead to the border opening once again. And once that happens and there's not a 14-day quarantine, I would imagine the Raptors will play probably under some restrictions here and there until everyone's fully vaccinated. But, uh, you know, if they can get the border back open, then yes, I think they'll probably play in Toronto, which would be nice. It would be nice to see the Raptors play there. But again, I am no epidemiologist. We will continue on to get some more questions to get to in the second and third segments. But first, let me tell you about our friends over at Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me, who is very much not an elite athlete, just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can Help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. Wow. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out or an injury or whatever it might be, just the stresses of everyday life, there is no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen is designed and makes you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. And the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. That is awesome. Look, I'm a person who does some exercise once in a while, but because of how infrequent it is, uh, my muscles hurt a lot, and a Theragun would be absolutely perfect to help relieve the tension that those muscles feel after a long workout. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and me! Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash lockdown right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash lockdown, theragun.com slash lockdown. Going to get to your mailbag questions in just one second here, but first, a reminder on tomorrow's show, I'm going to be joined by Samson Folk of uh, the Raptors Republic podcast. He's the best. He wrote a piece about OG Ananobi, who rocks. We even got a shout-out from Zach Lowe on the Low Post this week with Chris Herring. Uh, we're going to talk about OG and a potential star turn for him with our pal Samson Folk. So look forward to that on Wednesday. That one's going to come a little bit later in the afternoon on Wednesday. Just the schedule this week is very bizarre to me. My, my whole life is uh, topsy-turvy, so apologies for the later episodes. Uh, also Thursday... We'll be joined by Alan Shane Lewis, who is the host of the Great Canadian Baking Show on CBC, and he is a huge Raptors fan, and that is going to be a fun one, too. He has the smoothest, the smoothest most soothing voice in uh, Canadian media, I think, probably. I look forward to talking to Alan about the Raptors. We'll get to that on Thursday. Uh, all right, let's get back into your mailbag questions here. This one comes from Craig Edmonds. He asks, the Raptors can clearly use an upgrade at, or depth at the center position. Who is the most likely target or who is the biggest sleeper that the Raptors should pursue? So, you know, I think for me still, Rashawn Holmes is the guy. I think the, the 
scoring he offers. I don't think he's necessarily responsible for the defensive woes of the Sacramento Kings. I think that's probably much easier to pin on someone like Luke Walton, Buddy Heald, even De'Aaron Fox, uh, who's maybe not where you want him to be, Marvin Bagley. I just don't know if the infrastructure is there for a guy like Rashawn Holmes to really be able to thrive defensively considering what he's cleaning up for at the back end of the defense and he's still averaging 1.5 blocks a game this season I wonder if maybe in sort of a a more defined defensive role with excellent perimeter defensive talent around him if he could maybe thrive as that sort of last line of defense the Raptors usually need in their aggressive defensive stylings Uh, He's also ridiculously efficient as an offensive player. He's shooting 66.9% from the field this season. He's got that patented float shot that everyone is talking about and everyone knows about now, and no one can seem to stop it anyway. He's remarkable. He's really, really fun, and I think he would be a really nice uh, addition for the Raptors. He's an expiring contract, five million bucks or so. Stanley Johnson, like a second round pick, maybe that gets it done. Maybe you can sell the Kings on a Stanley Johnson. Just say, hey, your defense sucks. Stanley Johnson, good at defense. He will fix you. Uh, are, are the Kings that dumb? I don't know. Maybe. The, the Kings, probably, uh, is actually the answer there. Um, but no, I, I think even if you need to grease it with two second rounders or the second rounder from 2023, which is going to be the double draft. uh, You know, I guess a first rounder is a little bit tricky, but maybe you throw in like a a Matt Thomas, maybe a Terrence Davis or something. Um, Not that I think the Raptors should be getting any benefit out of trading Terrence Davis. I think that's kind of out of the bag now though. And they're going to trade him at some point uh, or just move on from at the end of the season. I don't know, but it's disappointing regardless. There's, I think, maybe a deal to work there, especially since the Kings keep on losing games with uh, just devastating efficiency. They stink, and I think Rashawn Holmes should be saved and put on a team that would use him properly. Um, It's difficult because I'm less feeling like there's a desperate need for a center than I was even like three weeks ago because Aaron Baines has looked so reliable in that bench role and because... Really, the one job you need a center to do if you're an Eastern Conference playoff team is guard Joel Embiid capably. We saw Aaron Baines do that, and that kind of gives me a little bit of optimism that, hey, maybe they can kind of get by here and not have to, uh, you know, go make a big deal for a center and kind of get by and still be a threat in the postseason because they're playing their best guys and are playing a system that just sort of maximizes what they do well. And so my attention recently has kind of drifted towards, okay, who are some other non-centers they could potentially go after? I mean, there are centers. There's, you know, Robin Lopez, I think, was mentioned in Blake Murphy's piece. You go read Blake's piece at The Athletic about all the different center options. Uh, Robin Lopez, I think Mason Plumlee's kind of high on my list just because he's a good playmaker, um, and you also wouldn't feel like you have to close with him either. Um, and if you had, I think... Plumley and Baines as a tandem backcourt that would be kind of nice and honestly I think all these trades that I'm thinking about keeping Baines around just because of the flashes he showed against Embiid kind of feels like the better way to go here instead of just trading his salary to match in a bigger deal um but yeah it's certainly I think it's worth pivoting your attention a little bit away from the center. If you can't get Rashawn Holmes, which again, you know, probably lots of teams want Rashawn Holmes. He's a very effective player. I'm sure the Nets would love Rashawn Holmes. He'd be their best center by a mile, uh, unless Bruce Brown is apparently the center to end all centers at six foot five. So if you can't get a guy like Holmes, who I think would just be a substantial upgrade and a really nice addition, uh, who would help the half court offense and all that stuff, I, I think maybe looking at 
forwards to sort of potentially have them stand in as small ball fives could be kind of interesting. Look, this is going to maybe sound insane. I don't hate the idea, if he's open to it, of Blake Griffin on a buyout to be like their backup center. I think some small ball looks with Griffin at center with uh, Siakam and OG, like that could be a pretty passable front court. You, you don't really trust his rim protection all that much, but he's a smart player and a really nice playmaker would help grease the wheels in the half court a little bit. Kind of do some of the Marcus Gasol stuff, honestly, except with being a little bit more of an effective offensive player, even if he is significantly diminished now. So there's that. I guess that's fine. Um, I, I think James Herbert made the point on the Raptors Reasonables podcast I listened to today that Thaddeus Young would be kind of a perfect fit. And man, I can't stop thinking about Thaddeus Young now. He's making like $14 bucks, so it would take a little bit of salary matching to get there. I think Baines plus McCaw plus Johnson could do it money-wise, but then you obviously have to incentivize the Bulls, which... Maybe you can't incentivize the Bulls to move on from Thaddeus Young, who's been one of their most important players this season, working as a small ball five, coming off the bench, and, you know, has been, like, he was the subject of a graphic that called him Thadjik Johnson last night on the NBC Bulls broadcast. They they like him there. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. And I don't really know if you could make the it worth the Bulls' while for a guy like Thad Young who really does fit nicely with that team that is trying to do something this year and is in that morass of teams in the middle of the Eastern Conference. Um, beyond that, yeah, it, it gets tricky because there's so few teams that are actually trying to uh, you know, offload pieces and, and reload. The, the, there's just not a lot out there. And a lot of the guys, a lot of the teams that you could you know, conceivably pluck some guys from they are like loaded with big salaries. Like Al Horford, for example, would be awesome. That would be like incredible to have Al Horford on this team, but he makes like $37 million or whatever the hell he makes. You're not getting that contract into Toronto without giving up a ton. And Norm Powell is just a better player than Al Horford is at this stage of his career in all likelihood. So it's not even really worth your while there, not to mention the two extra years he has beyond this one of that enormous salary for a guy who's on the decline. You know, there might just be no trade to make is that that's that could just be the thing is that this Raptors team goes forward with what they have and they kind of perfect the formula as they go along. They further indoctrinate DeAndre Bembry into the core seven or eight. They they further sort of experiment with the killer bees back court or front court with Baines and Boucher. They keep going with the small ball starting five and, you know, just giving up lots of defensive rebounds or offensive rebounds, but also continuing to, uh, you know, like kind of own teams when they're out there. I think they're like a plus 12 or plus 11 per 100 possessions. It goes back to last season as well when they were always a positive force for good when they were on the floor. You know, maybe they just say, all right, we're, we're set. We're going to go forward with this team. I'd like to see an addition somewhere, you know, a little extra ball handling. That's why a Thad Young would be so nice considering what he's doing as like a point center. If you had Thad Young with uh, Siakam, OG, like very, very sexy front court. Uh, who cares who's center? They're all good and they can all switch and that's really fun. Um, and then obviously I think the dream is John Collins that they can pluck him out of Atlanta. And hey, maybe Atlanta is more likely today to trade John Collins than they were yesterday. This is a team that is kind of spiraling. They just fired Lloyd Pierce, even though it's maybe the GM's fault that that team sucks. But, um, you know, maybe they become a little bit more open to the idea of moving on from John Collins as there seems to be some discord within those ranks. That would be awesome. Again, it's going to take a lot probably because he's really good and has improved quite a bit. But if you get a John Collins, Siakam, OG frontcourt going, and I'm like kind of okay with the Raptors spending a lot of money this offseason if they end up 
you know, losing Kyle or, or Norm or whatever it might be, using some of their cap space to just throw a giant ass offer at John Collins, I think that'd be kind of fun and really exciting for the future. But yeah, in terms of an in-season trade, it's always hard. There are no easy in-season trades to execute. And this season in particular is going to be tough because of the strange buyer-seller market that hopefully kind of clears itself up a little bit over the next 22 days or 23 days before the deadline. Uh, if it can do that, if we can get you know two weeks from now and you see more clear, obvious sellers, then maybe there's something to be done there. Um, but yeah, it, it's 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 tricky to find matches. Uh, but I think I'm moving a little bit further away from they need a center, and I'm kind of more on the they need some sort of forward, maybe with some playmaking chops. If they want another ball-handling guard, that'd be kind of nice too, just to take some of the burden off of Lowry and Van Vliet uh, and you know maybe insert a different guard into those small ball lineups instead of Norm just to kind of give a little bit more size or defense or whatever it might be, even though Norm has been awesome. Uh, there's lots of options out there. I think more will crystallize over the next couple of weeks. We'll certainly keep an eye on it here on the podcast. Uh, another question here. This one comes from Eric Morris at Epic Moppus. He asks, what's the most wholesome thing you've witnessed in your time following the Toronto Raptors? This is a good question. I would say it has to come from the DeMar Kyle era at some point, I would guess. I mean, whew, the, the, what was it, the last year during the bubble when they had all the families announce the players and my daddy Marcus all that's right up there as the most wholesome things I've ever seen. Kyle's kids just losing their minds doing his intro. That could be on the list, but I think for me it's probably the photo of Kyle Lowry smiling his ass off after I want to say the DeMar DeRozan dunk against the Pistons when he ruined Anthony Tolliver's career. I don't think that was wholesome necessarily for Tolliver, but seeing Kyle Lowry's thrilled like face and the smile that I always continue to look for, Kyle Lowry's smile is one of my favorite Google image searches because that picture always comes up. That might be up there. There's a lot of Damar stuff. I mean, Damar was just uh, a lovely dude. You know, lots of like stuff in the background. You know, with his kids and whatnot, just sort of uh, you know being around the the, the the arena and what's and whatnot. Like that was always good. Um, there's also the Fred's family arriving in the bubble last year and like the hallway meetup between Fred and his kids. That was pretty awesome too. There's lots of stuff with kids, basically. The Raptors have always been a really good team of dads and uh, I appreciate it deeply whenever the, the children make a cameo appearance in what the Raptors are doing day to day. Um, so yeah, anything to do with uh, the children of the Raptors is tied for the most wholesome thing I've ever witnessed. But that intro in the bubble probably takes the cake. I'm going to get to more of your listener questions in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com, the number one place for you to go to get some auto parts and not get fleeced by the damn mechanic. I'm telling you, you will save a ton of money if you go to rockauto.com. They are a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The Rock Auto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? I am going to get an oil change this week. 
I'm hoping everything's fine with my car, but if they say, well, you need to fix this thing on your car, guess what? I am not going to fix it on the spot. I'm going to order the freaking part from rockauto.com, then bring it to them and say, you put this part in because this one's cheaper than the one you would have charged me for. It's that simple with rockauto.com. You can go right now to their site and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? To know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com. Today's show is also brought to you by betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, the NHL are in full swing, and BetOnline even covers things like awards, television shows, reality TV, and Greek basketball. Real-time updated odds on props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to BetOnline.ag today to sign up for a free account and put in the code LOCKEDON and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That means if you put in $100, you're going to get $150 to play with. It's awesome. BetOnline.ag. Sign up right now. Your online sportsbook experts. Use the code LOCKEDON. Okay, last couple questions here to get to from the listeners. Um... Okay, this one here comes from Paul Lawton. With the potential of our entire team getting a deadly virus thanks to the NBA, is this the most not fine thing to happen to the Raptors in the last eight years? I'm so disgusted by the way the league and the Raptors have sold out their values in the last six months. It sucks. Paul, I'm with you, man. It is probably the most not fine thing to happen in the last little while here. Um, Even if it turns out that they, they, they don't test positive and all this stuff, I think playing the game on Friday was a mistake. I don't think they should have played that game against the Rockets, much like they should not have played that game against the Nets a couple weeks back when Kevin Durant had the whole in-out, in-again, out-again rigmarole. I just, I'm with you, Paul, in that the thing that really gets me is that the NBA is just so hell-bent on this sandwich-together schedule. It's not just that they are postponing games and putting them later on and just like saying hellbent on this 72-game schedule that they're trying to get done in order to play in the Olympics that may or may not happen and no one should actually care about. It's not just that, but it's that there's just no flexibility whatsoever and they're like making the product actively worse by rescheduling these games. The Memphis Grizzlies play 40 games in the second part of the schedule. The Raptors could have as many as 38 if they miss the games against the Pistons and Celtics, which we don't know yet at the time of recording whether or not those games are going to take place. But yeah, it's just the desire to get the 72 games, and we know 70 was the cutoff for television partners to get their full you know, money's worth of games and for the NBA to get full payouts from the uh, TV contracts. And they are just so hell-bent on getting there that they don't seem to really care what the product looks like. They don't seem to care that teams are exhausted from playing five and seven nights. And it's only going to get worse as the season goes on, as the All-Star break was cut in half or removed for a lot of these guys. And the attrition of this season is going to take hold. Not to mention, more teams are sure to get COVID in the second half of the season. It's not like you get to the All-Star break and COVID just goes away. It's not going away anytime soon and so it's just this wildly irresponsible man the protocols whatever I think you know we it's easy to sort of look at what happened on Friday and Saturday and say wow this is a disaster that they are all these guys in contact tracing I think by now we realize that not everyone in contact tracing has tested positive it is out of an abundance of caution so credit to the NBA for that but there still seem to be so many holes in their logic like 
playing that game Friday after the head coach and six or six of his assistants, as well as Pascal Siakam, were in the protocols. Are you telling me there was no contact with any other members of the team between those guys and uh, like between the team and those guys in in the lead up to that game? Seems pretty far fetched to me, especially considering they played a game two nights before. And you know you've got the like the Kevin Durant thing the oh but inconclusive tests are fine for non players close contacts but oh well he tested positive so now it actually matters it just it seems like they're kind of making it up on the fly in a lot of ways and i know most of it is out of an abundance of, abundance of caution but it seems like there are little tiny snippets of time where their caution wanes and that typically is around game times when you know the, it's like oh well we could get this game off and it's probably fine but if it's only probably fine you shouldn't be playing it at all. And if they'd given themselves more leeway, instead of having this hard out before the Olympics, you, I'd feel a little bit less gross about it. But they have not given themselves that hard out, or they have given themselves that hard out, I should say. They have not given themselves any runway or leeway or extra time on the schedule. And you're going to have teams and the product as a result suffer for it. Not to mention the stupid All-Star game, which has the potential to, you know, get guys sick and, you know, spread it among the league's most important and influential players. It's all just an insanely dumb idea. The Raptors, look, it'd be nice if a team would just take a stand and say we're not playing. I don't think that's realistic. And, uh, you know, I I can only hold the Raptors so accountable here. They are playing in Tampa Bay. They're kind of going out of their way to be as safe as possible, I guess. Obviously, it doesn't work because the virus doesn't give a shit. And I do think there is some onus to be put on the players here as well because the players collectively bargain this. It's not like every player in every roster agrees with the decision to play, I'm sure, but they do agree with the decision to get paid. I would certainly say that. The All-Star game collectively bargained. You know, the players had to agree to play in it. Yes, there's more duress being put on players by owners than going the other way in a lot of these, you know, negotiations and circumstance, but it, it is certainly still, you know, the point I've made a few times that the players are far closer to the ownership class and to the billionaire class than they are to the normie class that we're all in. And maybe it's to be expected that they'll care a little bit less about the virus, a little bit less about staying safe. It's it's unfortunate, for sure. It'd be nice if they were sort of the players of the people and they were kind of in line with the way regular, everyday folks have to think, but they're not. They have access to healthcare. They have large, large paychecks on the line. They, you know, are in their 20s and mostly healthy, although clearly... You don't just avoid COVID and having it affect your life if you're 20 and healthy. I mean, we saw Drew Holiday, for example, miss 10 games and, you know, speak on the effects. Jason Tatum talked about how it's taken a while to get back from it. It's not like you just get over it, no problem. Yeah, maybe they don't go to the hospital or end up on respirators, but there's still a lot of concern with getting this virus. It's basically like Russian roulette, it seems, as to whether or not it's going to severely affect you or not. And, you know, I, I would hope that the Raptors just don't play these next two games. I, if we're going to spin this forward to what comes next, just get these games off the schedule, I guess, kick them to the second half or whatever, and just get through the All-Star break and to March 11th, hopefully healthy as you can be. You know, I'm sure the NBA, if the Raptors have eight available players, whether it's, you know, Terrence Davis, DeAndre Bembry, Aaron Baines, Norman Powell, Fred Van Vliet, uh, Utah Watanabe, Paul Watson, Matt Thomas. So that's the only guys they have. They will have to go forward and play with them because that's how the NBA is doing this thing and is punishing teams in a way, I guess, for having outbreaks of the very deadly virus. Just cancel the games. <laughs> Again, the product. Do you really want DeAndre Bembry shooting 20 times in a game? Because that could happen in the next two days here. And boy, would that be a thing. 
And again, the NBA just continuing to kind of undercut its whole thing this year. The whole thing is let's get the product on the court. We need the product out there. Get the product. But the product sucks. <laughs> and they're actively making it suck more as they add more games to the second half of the schedule and push forward when teams don't have their full complement of players because of the virus. And it's hella disappointing. This has been a season-long exercise in compartmentalizing, for me at least. I'm not sure how other people are dealing with it, um, where I'm thoroughly enjoying the Raptors and enjoying their turnaround and having fun watching Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet and all that stuff is wonderful, but I'm also uh, disgusted by the way the NBA is going forward, just kind of like they don't care, with the arrogance to think that they can just kind of avoid it and push it down and make it swept under the rug. And that sort of philosophy has caused me to care a lot less about the non-Raptors NBA games going on and I don't think the NBA is anyone but themselves to blame if there's waned interest in what their product is because their product is by no means entertaining right now. It's really, really rough to watch, and they're only going to exacerbate the problem going forward here unless they move off this hard finish date. Like, that to me is the big thing. If you can push the season into August, you can still have a shortened offseason comeback, maybe the start of November, and you're fine. And the regular season, if it goes into June or whatever, that's no big deal if it gives you the time to give teams extra days on the schedule to not be playing basketball games around all the other basketball games they're playing. But they really are hell-bent on this Olympics thing, even though if you play the regular season into June and the playoffs go till early August, how many teams are actually going to have players who are affected to the point where they're not going to go overseas and play for the Olympics if you really, really care about that? Sure, LeBron probably won't play for Team USA. LeBron never plays for Team USA anyway, and maybe you get some secondary guys in there. It might hurt the lesser national teams than the, than the states just because of the lack of players. If a player goes deep, if Rudy Gobert goes deep in the playoffs for the Jazz, he won't be able to play for France. But guess what? I don't think Rudy Gobert is going to care about that because he'll be playing for the Jazz in the finals or whatever it might be. It's just very, very tiresome to think about how the NBA has like thrust this hard deadline upon itself, and it's really going to affect the product going forward here. I think that's all I got in the soapbox about this one, folks. Uh, we're going to wrap it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to everyone who sent in questions. If I did not get to your questions, I apologize, but I will uh, be sure to get you next time if you send in a question for the next mailbag. Like I said, tomorrow, Samson Folk's going to join me. We're going to talk about OG Ananobi and his wonderful piece. So go read that. You have homework, everybody. Go read Samson's piece on OG Ananobi between now and tomorrow, probably around 6, 6.30, just before the game that shouldn't happen starts. Uh, <laughs> so if there is no Raptors game against the Pistons, you can just listen in to that and uh that'll be your raptors content for the evening and that's gonna do it thanks so much check out all of the locked on network stuff we got cooking like i said locked on nba draft is new and well worth you checking out if you are a draft person with march madness coming up and all of that stuff as well go subscribe over there and if you're a hockey fan if you're a maple leafs fan go listen to locked on leafs with mike DeStefano. He's doing a wonderful job covering that team. AJ Andrews is covering the Blue Jays over at Locked On Blue Jays as they get going in spring training. George Springer made his debut today. That's super fun. AJ's got you covered there. So go and listen to all of your favorite teams covered every single day on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'll talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. 